Good morning. Um, we're going to read Psalm 90 together. So it is printed in both of your booklets or, of course, in your Bible. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80, if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendour to their children. May the favour of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Well, after that estimate of my age, I have a real spring in my step. Uh, <laughs> can I just say it's great to be with you again. Sue sends her greetings. Sue was here last week. But uh, we have uh, uh, my son and his wife and their three children staying with us. They've been with us for the last month, uh, having come back from Sydney with uh, uh, three kids, one of whom we only just met for the first time. So Sue's been lassoed into grandmotherly duties. They've gone off to Trinity at Modbury, where uh, they'll be meeting, and then after that, uh, Sue's bringing all the kids home to sleep while Dave and Maddie go out to lunch. That's, uh, we're trying to stress the importance of having grandparents around, you know, and uh, so that's what's going on, but uh, she does send her, her greetings to you. Uh, psalm 90, it is a, a great, great psalm. Great to have it open in front of you, because we will work through it uh, together this morning. So let me pray as we tuck into it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your great kindness to us. We thank you for your uh, word, the fact that you speak to us, our minds, but not just our minds, our hearts. You shape all of life. And Father, we pray that we'll take your word to heart this morning, uh, that we'll be able to see its implications for us as we assess life in this world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I came across... Uh, this story this week about an elderly, elderly woman who was attending her husband's uh, funeral. She was an old woman, 
frail in body, sharp in mind, and she certainly hadn't lost her sense of humour. Went like this, apparently. Just before the service, uh, the undertaker came up to her and asked how old her husband was when he had died. And she said, 98, two years older than me. And the undertaker turned to her and said, so you're 96. The undertaker said he was obviously sharp on maths. And, uh, and then with a twinkle in her eye, this elderly woman said back to him, yes, she said, it hardly seems worth going home, does it? <laughs> That's uh, not bad, really. Psalm 90 is an extremely well-known psalm. In fact, it's one of the most commonly used psalms when it comes to funerals. It speaks in a really straightforward way about our mortality. But can I say, as we come to this psalm, it's not, it's not fixated with death. Its main occupation is with living. And so it's wanting you to assess death so that you'll actually understand what it means to live with more clarity, how we live in the light of our mortality. Psalm 90 verse 12, I think, is the key verse in the psalm. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And in a digitalized, uh, uh, computerized world, it's easy to think we don't need God to number our days. It's true, isn't it? I got out my calculator and I did a rough calculation of how many days I've been alive, right? 23,236 so far. All right, so you can reverse engineer that, divide by 365, and you work out roughly how old I am. 45 is a pretty close guess, but there you go. <laughs> and... Uh, and that's the reality. You know, I can calculate that with any, without any trouble at all uh, in terms of the way in which my life functions. We have more precision uh, with our calculation of time than ever before. So at the Olympics last year, uh, we could separate swimmers and run, runners down to one one-thousandth of a second. Isn't that extraordinary? Such precision when it comes to time. And friends, all I'm saying is we don't need God to measure time, do we? Well, we have calculators, we have computers. But of course, this psalm is not talking about the measurement of time. It's a psalm that talks about using time wisely. And of course, when we talk about wisdom, like we did last week in James, we're talking about being able to see things from God's perspective. Seeing things through the eyes of God. We're not talking about, you know, cleverness with investments or, you know, shrewdness when it comes to people. We're talking about seeing life in this world through the lens of the eyes of God, adopting his perspective on all our days. So here's the question. How does Psalm 90 help us do that? Well, let's look at it together. If I asked you to start off with verse 1, where home was for you, you might uh, give me a whole range of answers. You might give me your current address. You might tell me where you were born. You might say to me the place you lived most of your adult life, even if it's not the place you currently live. But here in Psalm 90, I want you to notice that home is not a location, it's a person. Not a location, but a person. Psalm 90 verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place 
throughout all generations. Psalm 90 uh, is the only psalm attributed to Moses, uh, the only one in the whole, whole of the Psalter. And remember his history of where he lived? Right? Lived in Egypt, escaped to Midian, returned to Egypt, brought the Israelites, the slaves, out of Egypt. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. They had the promise of the, the promised land to go into, but Moses never actually saw the promised land. Right? He was a nomad, wanderer, stuck in the desert, just wandering around from place to place. But here's his point. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, my dwelling place is what Moses is saying, throughout all generations. Moses, always secure and confident because of the promises of God to his people, always rested and was secure there. Can I say the wise person in this world always has their security, their, their home, with God. That's, that's where their heart is tied to and their confidence rests always. It's easy, isn't it, to um, think of home as bricks and mortar or even to think in terms of security tied to job and uncertainty around that or to tie your confidence around relationships that you have around you and the stability of those or to be concerned because you don't have that or to be thinking that I'm okay, I'm secure because I have uh, superannuation or savings. But all those that are tie your hope of security to this world, to the temporary. What we're being told here is our security, uh, anyone who is wise in this world, not just believers actually, but unbelievers too, should always look for their security in God. And then the psalm goes on and describes what God is like uh, from verses 2 to 6. And what it does is it contrasts God and his nature and character with ours. So what's the differences between God and us? Verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So who is God? Well, he's the ruler of the universe. And this ruler of the universe, you can't number his days because he is eternal. I remember when I was in primary school, I had two older sisters, and one of them came up to me and said, you want to play a numbers game? I said, sure, no problem. She said, I want you to think of the biggest number you can possibly come up with, and I'll see if I can come up with a bigger one. You know? I thought, sure, I'm up for this, you know, gullible younger brother. Right? So I said, you know, a gazillion, bazillion, you know, blah, 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 you know, 346,272, you know. And then my sister said, plus one. And I, and I was a bit thick. I tried it three times before I worked out that I was being conned, you know. But it, it's that sort of picture when you come to God. You understand the point here in relation to God? He has no starting point. He has no end. God is everlasting. But of course, by comparison, human beings have a very short stay on this planet. Verse 3, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. You see, the difference between God's experience and ours at this point 
It is huge, isn't it? Verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by, or like a watch in the night. A long time to us in this world is just a snap of the fingers for God. Very passing. And yet sometimes we, we don't view this world or life wisely, do we? Uh, we just do the comparison thing among ourselves rather than seeing it from God's perspective. A few weeks ago, I uh, took the funeral of someone who was in their 90s, uh, lived a long life, and the feeling of the funeral was, a, was like that. This person had got you know, their three school years, 10 plus some. You know, it was quite... Quite, uh, and the person trusted in Jesus, so there was that. But, you know, I remember just a couple of years ago when I took the funeral of a 21-year-old man who died uh, in a motorbike accident. And the feeling of that crowd, lots of his peers, uh, was so palpably different uh, to that of the 90-year-old that I took the other day. So, so different. And yet, I want you to notice here that what we're being told is to view both those deaths through the eyes of an eternal God and whether you're 90 or 21, both by comparison with the eternity that we see in God, like a flick of the fingers, just nothing. For us, it's huge. But from God's perspective... No different. Verse 5. You sweep people away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up, but by evening it's dry and withered. And of course it's picking up on the, the desert scene, you know, where everything is arid, dry, colourless. And then there's a rain. And, of course, in a desert scene, everything just springs to life overnight, just pops up. But, of course, as soon as the rain stops, everything just shrivels back to what it was. And the picture is like that. He's saying, from God's perspective, our 80 or 90 years are just like that desert scene. Pop up for a bit and then just disappear by comparison with God. And then the psalmist goes on, Moses goes on. And he asks the question, so, so why is life in this world, why is it like that? Why is it so short, particularly in verses 7 through 11? And why is life just full of struggles in the time that we have in this world? We all know that death is one of those absolute statistics. You know, we know that one out of one people die. But this, this psalm is asking, why do we die? And you say, well, we all know why we die. You know, people die of accidents, like motorbike accidents, or people die of disease, or, you know, heart attacks, or a whole lot of reasons why people die, or people die of old age. It was interesting, I read an article the other day uh, that indicated even if we could get rid of every disease known to mankind, we'd probably only extend life on average by maybe, you know, 15 to 20 years because the biggest disease we've got is old age. 
and no one's actually worked that one out yet. Yeah, we push it away, but we haven't actually conquered it. And so we, we again, we analyse death and mortality with a closed world view. We don't see it from God's perspective. But the reality this psalm uh, speaks to us about is the fact that God is the one who has numbered our days. Back in verse 3, it's God who turns people back to dust. Why? Why has God done it this way? Well, Psalm 90 verse 7. We're consumed by your anger, terrified by your indignation or or wrath. Verse 8. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Here is the simple message here in this psalm, and it's the simple message of the Bible, really. God is angry because of our sin, uh, because of our rebellion against God. We don't treat God properly. And it takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. God creates humanity from dust. But also because of rebellion against God, God says, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And the New Testament just reinforces the same picture. Romans 6 verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. It doesn't say the wages of old age. It says the wages of sin is death. And it's not just that we die. This psalm picks up on the reality when we know that the judgment of God, it's actually obvious in all of life. Look at verse 9. All our days pass away under your wrath. Uh, I talk to people in their 70s and they say that every birthday generally marks uh, a season for a new specialist or a new medication. You know, that's, that's the way these sort of occasions get celebrated. Now, this is the reality. We all know that, that life is full of struggles and heartache. It's not straightforward. There is pain. Notice how the psalm starts out of the heading. This psalm is a prayer, uh, a prayer of Moses. But of course, by the time you get to the end of verse 11, all we really have is this, this analysis, uh, a series of contrasts, the eternity of God with the brevity of human life, the contrast between our sin and God's judgment. And what we've got here is the information that's meant to help us get wisdom, God's perspective on things. And it's so that we actually will call out to God for true wisdom, true understanding. And that's what follows from verse 12 to the end of the psalm. This series of prayers of a man who understands his mortality. Verse 12, teach us to number our days. As I say, this is a key verse. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see, the wise person knows that time is short. Every breath we take is because of the generosity of a gracious God. We recognize that life is short because of our sin, because of judgment. And when you understand that, you want to see that problem addressed. And it's only God who can address it. If you are here last week, I mentioned that uh, Sue and I were catching up with an old friend, someone I've known for uh, uh, about 45 years. 
but haven't seen much lately. They sent an email to me uh, just a couple of weeks ago saying he'd love to catch up. Some significant things that have arisen in his life and he wanted to chat about the implications of it. So we got together and he, you know, in the time I haven't seen him for the last few decades, huge amounts happened. He's been ripped off in business three times. Uh, he's had cancer. His marriage has busted up. He's estranged from his kids. And just went through a whole series of different sorts of issues that were just, yeah, heart-rending, really. It was, it was, um, and I actually felt like I'd been a failure to him as a friend because we hadn't had contact over that period of time. But here's the thing. He was at the point where he was saying, but I'm thinking there's more to life than this life. You know, I'm thinking there must be a spiritual dimension that I'll be missing out on. And do you see that? He had this sort of little glimmer of wisdom, the God breaking into his life so that he might understand the reality of eternity and get it. It's interesting to see the way in which our society has been grappling with COVID. See, COVID has uh, pushed into our face the reality of mortality and brought that to the fore for our sort of very insulated and protected society. Now, of course, we didn't have a problem with mortality before COVID came along. I think we might have. You know, I think it's just possible we did. But all it's done is it's raised it more prominently for us to think through. So how do wise people see COVID? Uh, we'll quite rightly look for the way in which we care for people or treat people or, you know, watch out for spread of disease. We'll do those sort of things. But actually, you know, true wisdom when it comes to COVID should cause us to ask the eternal questions. Questions of the Lord who rules heaven and earth. Questions about our own mortality and what that means for us. And Christians will bring that wisdom to bear. So we'll be known as a community that's not preoccupied with COVID uh, because we've come through this before. <laughs> we know that's the nature of our world. This is just a new manifestation of it a particular reality that's emerged at this point in time. I'm not saying we, we dismiss it or treat it loosely, but we see it for what it is. Uh, just writ large, the fact that we are mortal, we will die, and the most important thing we can do is to be right with God. Teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's be wise. He goes on, verse 13, have mercy on us. In the face of the reality of mortality, you could actually get depressed. You know, you could uh, feel flat. That isn't Psalm 90. Verse 13, relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Wisdom from God means you know you're a sinner. That's true wisdom. And if you're wise, then you call out to God for mercy and forgiveness. And that will take you to the extraordinary love of God. Verses 14 and 15. 
He cries out to God. He asks for joy and satisfaction. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. See, even when there's heartache and struggle and pain, there is still a knowledge of God's extraordinary love which fills you with joy. I catch up, up for breakfast with some men, uh, most of whom are at least 10 years older than me. Uh, and in that group, there are two men, one of whom, uh, Lynn, his wife, has uh, dementia and is declining, and he's living with her at home, but watching her disappear from his view. Another man called Rob, his wife has had MS for maybe 30 years now and been in a wheelchair for 20 of those, and she has just lost function uh, year on year on year on year and even has struggled communicating. These men know what it is to live uh, every day reminded of the frailty of life in this world. They're weary. They are tired. Uh, that sort of care takes it out of you. Some of you know that only too well. Uh, you can see the heartache that they feel as they've lost their lifelong partners. And yet, I've been meeting these guys for, hmm, it is almost 30 years now, uh, throughout the time of both the onset and, and growth of those illnesses. Can I say, these are both men who are profoundly convinced about the love and the grace of God, not only um, for them who don't have the diseases, but for their households. Because I see life through that lens of God's eternal promises and see the critical thing as being the relationship they have with the living God. And that sustains them. Romans 5 verse 8. We're told God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's shown his love for you in this. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. And friends, that love sustains us now and through to eternity. And so he finishes the psalm by asking God to help him, help us count our days well. Verses 16 and 17. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of our Lord God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Lots of stuff doesn't last, does it? You know, I remember when my kids were little and uh, we had this mesh green door on the back of our house and when our kids were in primary school they just ran through it constantly you know they just go barreling down the hallway hand out go through the wire off it would come felt like every week i was replacing the mesh wire on this back screen door until i worked out you could put on something there that was still mesh but meant they bounced off you know that was a great discovery from my end of the day but you know it isn't a lot of life like that you do things and then they just disappear, they don't last. 
It's like building sandcastles on the beach. Tide comes in, washes it away, only lasts a short space of time. Moses says, establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. Make it last. What lasts? What endures? Some of you will have heard of John Piper. He's an American uh, theologian and preacher. He preached what's become a very famous sermon back in the year 2000. He was preaching outdoors to between 30 and 40,000 university students. And his theme was uh, to encourage these university students not to waste their lives. You know, young people, prime of life, don't waste the decades in front of them. And in that sermon, he picked up on an article he'd read in the Reader's Digest. It was an article about Bob and Penny, a couple who'd retired at age 59 and 51. They retired to Florida and uh, had plenty of money, so they filled up their days with uh, cruising around on their their 30-foot yacht, uh, playing softball, enjoying meals with friends, and collecting seashells. That, That was their hobby. And Piper commented that this was the great American dream, to make plenty of money, retire young, and just enjoy it. And then he urged this this group of university students, he said, friends, look at this through the lens of eternity, through the wise eyes that God provides you with. He said, at the end of the age, do you really want to front up before God and say, look God, here is my seashell collection. And of course, the folly of that is evident to everybody. Friends, Pray that God will help you number your days well in 2022. That God will help establish the work of your hands so that it will last. I think I said last week that Sue and I have been praying very consistently as we head into 2022 that God might give us many opportunities these years, this year, uh, these days, Uh, to speak the gospel to people, friends, uh, family, neighbours who don't yet know him. That we might be able to speak that word into their lives so that they might repent and put their trust in the Lord Jesus. It's just an urgency that we felt to be praying that as we come into this year. You see, at the end of the age, I want to stand before the throne of God. I want to stand there with you. And I understand there with people that we've had the joy and the privilege of sharing about the Lord Jesus with. We've come to trust him. Because in the end, it is people that God has invested his gospel into that will endure for all eternity in his very, very presence. Friends, as a church, personally, What are you praying for 2022? What are you hoping that God will establish from your hands in this coming year? As far as I can work it out, uh, we've got about 356 days left in 2022. Uh, Can I encourage you to 
number those days really wisely. Number them wisely. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for uh, Psalm 90. We thank you for your word. It actually speaks to our hearts and minds about what's important. And Father, we pray that in your kindness, uh, you'll, you'll bring this clarity home for each of us. We won't fear death. Uh, we won't fear the shortness of days, but we'll understand what they point to. The reality of having a relationship with you, being forgiven, being right with you, and knowing that that's the thing that will count into eternity. And Father, we pray that you'll help us to labour for that which lasts, not for that which doesn't. Uh, Give us clarity on that. Help us to be faithful in that. Uh, Father, we pray that you will make us wise so that we will number our days well. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we're going to sing. I think I'm on it. Are we going to have question time, mate? Is that right? Yeah. You can tell us how that's going to work. That's fine. Thank you. Yes, uh, we will have questions.